Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, this is our third week in this series. Well, technically our third sermon, our second week. We started at Ash Wednesday, and then last Sunday, and then today. We are continuing in this series, The Seven Woes, that Jesus spoke in one of his last great teachings in the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm excited to continue this series. This is a a different kind of series. And we hear a little bit different kind of Jesus than we are typically used to. And so I want to remind us, especially if you're brand new with us today, or this is your first time watching online, a couple of reminders as we enter in to this teaching time with Jesus today. You're going to hear some things that sound a little different. And so I want you to know about that. First of all, Jesus is proclaiming these woes, these, this is bad, this is not a good way. Um, he is pro- proclaiming this over the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He's doing this in a public teaching, however, where there would have been multitudes of people gathered around him and his disciples. So the first thing we need to know as we enter into each and every one of these teachings is that Jesus isn't gloating over the scribes and the teachers of the law. He is guiding. And sometimes... You know, if you have kids, sometimes guiding is pretty easy. You just, you know, an arm around, a hand hold, and you, and you follow. Other times it's like, no, stop, don't do that. And it's a lot easier. You're a little more firm in your guidance. <laughs> Today, Jesus is a little more firm in his guidance. Cut this way. This is not good. He is not gloating over them. He is attempting to guide them. And as he is calling them out, we'll see why here in just a little bit, while he's calling them out, he is also teaching those around them something different. And so we need to understand that. Two, Jesus isn't being wrathful, but he is warning. Again, coming back to those those children. If if your child is running towards the parking lot after church when everybody is trying to, to move out, you might sound wrathful stop come back and your kid might look at you and say why are you yelling at me (laughs) well it's about warning it's trying to bring you back don't go down that road like that jesus is taking on the role of a prophet and the prophets were those who called people to repent Because the words that were coming out of their mouth were given to them by God, they could say to the children of Israel in that time, you are on the wrong road. That road does not go somewhere good. It will be harmful. It's a dead end. It's a cliff. Get off that road and you are called to repent. And we've said this already, but the word repent simply means to turn 180 degrees and move in a a different direction. Direction towards God away from the cliff 
And Jesus is taking on that role as this teaching moves into these woe to you. Jesus will sound harsh, but it is for good. It is for our good. It is for the good, really, of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, even though they choose not to listen. So, let's dive in. However you open your scriptures, whether in book form or electronic form, I have my glasses on today so I can actually read a book, so I decided to change it up. You know I use the iPad simply because I can make the words bigger, right? Uh, so, Matthew chapter 23, verses 16 through 22. And because this is the gospel of the Lord, uh, I would ask all those who are able to stand in honor and reverence of the reading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Woe to you, blind guides. You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, they're bound by their oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You, are, you also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord and our response is thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you ever made a bad deal? I'm not talking about a scam, like you, you went on Timu and you, you found a PS5 for $5 and when it was mailed to you, it was just a piece of junk. I mean, we all kind of expect those. I'm talking about a bad deal where you made a promise, you made a, a deal with someone, and that meant you were going to have to do something And as you got into the deal that you made, it became very, very difficult. And you began to become aware that this was going to cost a lot more than you thought when you made the deal. Anybody made deals like that? I remember I did one of these things one time when I was uh, coming out of grad school. So I was probably 22 or 23 years old. And uh, I had just finished grad school to be a therapist. I was building my practice. And I decided what I would do on the side is to be kind of a handy person. And I, you know, we had a, a large church that we were just involved in. I was helping with college age. But just put it out in our bulletin that if anybody needed light bulbs changed or ceiling fans put on or things, painting or something along those lines, I'd be happy to do it. I had also worked at a property management company, so I put my name there that I'd be happy to, to just do small painting jobs or anything. Well, a friend of mine who worked there named Alan said, hey, my wife works with a guy and he would like his duplex painted, just the trim on the outside and kind of the banister rail, the, all the pieces that are wood. He'd like that painted. Um, somebody put a bid in. He didn't take it. If you'd like to put a bid in, I'll give you his name. I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And so the guy contacted me and I came down and I looked at the house 
And I had never done a bid in my life. I had no idea what to think about, how long this was going to take me, what I should charge or anything. But I knew the guy who had put the bid in before me. And so I said, you know what, I'm just going to go to him. And he's like the professional professional. So whatever bid he put in, I'll knock off a couple hundred dollars and that'll be my bid. And so I did that. I asked, I asked Jose what his bid was. He told me. I knocked a few hundred dollars off, went to it. And the guy was like super excited, absolutely happy to do that. We signed the deal and I got to work, got to painting and painting and painting and painting and painting until I began to try and in my head calculate the dollars per hour that I was making. And I'm not sure it was going to reach quite a dollar per hour uh, that I was going to make. And so I went back to Jose and I said, Jose, how in the world do you, were you going to bring like five guys to do this? He said, what'd you bid for? I said, well, for the whole duplex. He's like, I only bid for one side of it. I'd made a deal that as I got into it, I realized much of what this was going to cost me. And I began to kind of resent it. You know, all of a sudden now, I'm not getting paid, I'm paying <laughs> to work for this. And I began to just, ugh, the frustration was there. Every time I drove down that street, I was, I was upset. And, you know, I saw the guy and his family out there, and I'm painting away. And, and then after I'm done, he, you know, he calls me up and said, hey, I found a nail. And I'm like, ugh. So I was complaining to Alan about it. Ran into him, told him about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I've done that before. I said, oh, it just makes me want to walk off the job. I'm just so sick and tired of this. He said, hey, I know you are, but my name is attached to your job. Because I gave you, I gave that guy your name. And so if you're not going down there, then I am. I said, no, 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 no. I'll go down. And I went down, found extra motivation, cleaned up everything, did not make anything on that job. Time-wise, I still was paid. But it was a deal that was difficult to do after I had made the promise. Anybody made a promise like that before? This is the kind of thing I want to talk about today, and I believe that Jesus is getting at. You see, the culture that Jesus was talking about was full of deal-making. It wasn't just a money culture. It was a barter culture. You would barter sometimes... You had a talent, you would perform that talent for someone, you might get food, you might get wheat, you might get grain, you might get something along those lines. So deals were constantly being made for your time or your talents. Not many people had much treasure, and so there wasn't a lot of that that was exchanged like we have today. And so a lot rode on people making promises and fulfilling them. And just like it is today, like my example of this this bad deal that I made, sometimes those same things happened in Jesus' culture. And so, because there were so many deals being made all the time, there developed out of that sometimes a culture of evasion. That if it became difficult, if it became hard to fulfill that promise that you had made, if you had made a promise the right way, there might be ways to give you some wiggle room to get out of fulfilling your 
part of the bargain. And one of the ways that was absolutely bounding or binds you absolutely to your promise is if you brought God's name into an oath. If you did that, William Barclay, I like he he sums it up for us. He says, if God's name was actually used when you were making the promise, then God was introduced as a partner into the transaction. And to break the oath was not only to break faith with men, whoever you made the promise to, but to insult God as well, whom you brought in as a partner to this deal. Now, some of the reasons why they didn't want to bring God's name into it was because they didn't want to break the third commandment. Let me read the third commandment for you in Exodus 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And so to misuse God's name, to bring it into a deal that either you knew you weren't going to fulfill to begin with, or in the midst of you would like to let go of, is to misuse the name. So part of the reason why they wanted to avoid bringing God into it was because they didn't want to break the commandment. That's a good way. That's a good thing. So people then began to ask the Pharisees and the teachers of the law how to avoid bringing God's name into their everyday deals so that they could have the weight of an oath but have some wiggle room to get out of the deal. Yet, in doing this, by the Pharisees providing the the examples that Jesus taught or showed us today, it gave credence to this culture of evasion, of trying to get out, of finding that wiggle room to get out of deals when they become difficult for you. They would say, as long as I don't use God's name, I don't have to fulfill my obligations. I've got the wiggle room to get out. And Jesus, Jesus' woe shows three things about the Pharisees and teachers of the law's teaching on this that I think will make some sense for us today. First, Jesus calls them out and says the Pharisees were participating by by giving all of these examples back and forth. They were participating in the culture of evasion. He calls them blind guides, blind fools, blind men. That don't you realize that you're you're so much trying to parse and split things here and there between what is God's part and what is that you are actually participating and giving ways for people to evade fulfilling their deals. You are actually participating in this culture of evasion. It is not helping you. Number two, Jesus says, well, you're kind of using faulty logic as well. This doesn't make sense. You are saying, Jesus is saying to them, it's not the gold or the gift that makes the altar holy. It's the holy altar that transforms the gift. So if you were going to swear anywhere with weight, it would be on the altar that you wanted to, to, uh, to, to swear your oath. The Pharisees were saying the oath on the holy object wasn't binding. And Jesus calls them out on it. He says it directly ties God's name to your deal. 
And because of that, number three, you are scribes and Pharisees. You are actually using God's name for vain purposes. The very thing you're trying to avoid is the very thing that you are doing. Jesus says, because of this, every promise involves God. Why? Because everything was created by God. And therefore, everything is connected to God. So you shouldn't swear on heaven, because then you're connected to God's throne and the one who sits on it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't make an oath based on the temple, because if you do that, then you're connected to the God who resides in that temple. Everything is connected to God, and you as a human being are in the very image of God. And so to make a deal with another human being who is in the image of God means that God is connected already in your deal. Can you see why Jesus early on in his Sermon on the Mount teaching said, just let your yes be yes and let your no be no. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it and you know it, don't enter into the deal. Now, the fact that every promise we make is connected. God is a part of the partnership. This should be a good reminder and a hope for the difficulties. It should be a good reminder that when I promise to do something, I am not just promising you that I'm going to do it. I am promising God in the midst of this, who is witness to this, That whatever promise I make, he's a part of the deal. Imagine how great the world and how smoothly it would go if every business deal, every political decision, every uh, job, every school, every family knew that God was right there with the promise that I made. I think things might run differently than they currently run. Would you agree? Now, so it's a good reminder that we're not just just between, if I make a, a, a promise with Pastor Ray, it's not just between us. There is one who is also involved in this deal. But it also should remind us and be a hope for the difficulties that may arise in that deal. Let's look at a couple, just a couple of things. One, I want you to see, we've already seen that God is a partner in every deal we make. We cannot escape that fact. I am an image of God. You are an image of God. And therefore, when we promise together to do something, then God is connected in that deal. He is watching over. Are we living up, filling, fulfilling that promise. But the secondly, this is the hopeful part. God then, if God is involved in every deal, then God can give power for every difficulty. That when things get tough, when you realize, oops, I maybe bit off a little more than I could chew, God comes alongside and helps us navigate. I honestly believe that God in that situation that I described to you, very my difficult deal, put Alan right there to remind me that it wasn't just me and the homeowner. There were other people involved here. 
And that gave me hope and gave me motivation. And, and I remember Alan saying to me, you're going to be okay. Are you going to starve because you get the amount of money that you promised to do this for? I said, no. He said, okay. Then you're going to learn something, aren't you? And you're going to be all right. Came alongside and said, you can do this. There's something here in the difficulty, and I'm going to give you the strength and the power for every difficulty. When you've done, and then, when you have done everything in your power and God's, and it still falls apart, then you should know that God is present with you even in the downpour. I wanted to include that because some of you made promises to another person to live, to love, to honor, to cherish, till death parted you. And you did everything you could. And, and, and God came alongside you and took you through the difficulty. And then for whatever reason, it still didn't work. I want you to know that that doesn't mean you're bad. It does mean, though, that God is present with you in the downpour. And He will provide strength for you to move through to the other side. God is still with you, my friends. This is good news. And since all of this is true, I want you to know that we don't dwell on the problemed past. We can dwell in God's present presence. Folks, we don't focus then on the difficulty. We can focus on the deliverer. Folks, it means that we don't focus on the person who is wronging us or whatever is going on. We can focus then on His power to help us. It means that we don't focus on our lack of choice in the deal that we made. We can focus on His guiding voice. It means that we don't focus on what they are doing. We focus on what God is doing in us to give us the strength to move through the difficult deal. And if you've done everything that you can and it still broke down, we can trust His peace in the pain. That He will be with us. That there's something valuable to be learned in the midst of this. And He will move us on into the next phase of our life. Friends, did you need this reminder today? I've already brought this up once, but sometimes we need to be reminded that when we made the promises, many of you right here, that we always say, in the presence of God and these witnesses, that there is one who is with you And that should be a reminder to you that it's not just you and her or you and him. It is the three of you in this marriage, in this decision, in this deal that sometimes feel like you bit off way more than you can chew. Amen? It's okay to say that. Don't think I'm just saying it because my wife's sick and not here today. (laughs) I want you to know that the one who witnessed your vows is still with you now. And he is calling you into the difficult time. 
And He will give you strength and wisdom to move through and learn something new and fall in love in a new way on the other side. What about with your children? Some of us say, well, I didn't make a vow. They just kind of came into life. (laughs) So maybe I'm talking about, maybe I'm talking about the ones of you who have stood here and dedicated or baptized your child. And you said, this is God's gift and, and I am going to make sure that they know about the faith. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that they know that there's a God who loved them so much that He gave His one and only Son for them. And I want them to come to know Jesus the way I have known Jesus. And it's going to be difficult and and challenging sometimes, but I'm going to make that vow. I want you to know, folks, that the God who gave them breath still gives wisdom for you as parents today. And sometimes it feels like a deal you bit off more than you can chew. But the one who gave them breath gives you wisdom and will be with you all the way through. What about your job? What about your school, students? You know, in our day and age, because everything is just written in a contract that most of us don't read and we just sign it and go we kind of lose the the face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, I will give you 40 hours of work in this field, and you will give me a paycheck and hopefully benefits and things along those lines. And sometimes those jobs feel like we've bit off more than we can chew. But even in these things, folks, we are called to remember that when we made a deal with our boss or with our company, that there was one other who was there over all. And that should remind us that we don't work for the company or for the man or the boss. We work for him. And He is both with us to remind us of that and He is with us to give us wisdom and give us power and give us strength to go through that difficult time even in work and even in school, kids. Even here, He is with us. God is with us in every deal that we make. And that is good. Today, do we need to just take some time here at the end of our service to remember this great truth and to recommit to the God who was with us in every deal? I'm going to ask Deb to come. And as we close in prayer, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're If your spouse is here, would you grab a hand or arm around? If your kids are here, maybe kids, you want to snuggle into mom or dad? Maybe you want to think about your workplace. Bring to mind some of the difficulties there.
then maybe we want to say to God, God, help me to remember that you were there at the wedding altar. You were there in the hospital room when my kids came into being. You were there when I accepted the job offer. You were there when I began school and you're still with me today. Help me to remember your presence so that I can strive to fulfill my end of the deal. And may I remember when it gets tough that you come right alongside of us. You give us strength and wisdom for the day, for the relationship, for the work. And if today someone here has done all of that and still things have broken, may they sense your peace right now, surrounding them and helping them. May they not give up hope, but may they place all their trust in you. For you have promised to never leave them, nor forsake them. Father, for our marriages, would you help us to recommit, remembering you were there and you will help. Pray that out of today, something new would happen for husbands and wives throughout this place and those who are watching online. May we truly believe and mean everything we say when we sing. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to and I will make room for you to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing as you go? And now, my friends, my brothers and sisters here and online, may you go with the hope of knowing that into every deal, it's not just between you and the person you made the deal with. May you recognize that there is one there who is on both sides. May you recognize there is one who is there who will give strength for the difficulty. May you realize that there is someone with you everywhere you go. And if things have broken down, may you realize there is one who is with you in the pain. And may you place all of your trust in him and call others to his name. I pray this over you in the name of the Father who is for us. In the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. Amen. Go in His name. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us online.
Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.